0: why. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get into the Word. The Lord has burdened me about some things. I think that's why we're here. Um, I don't do this, as you know, as pastor does every week, so I don't have a lot of always good illustrations, don't always have a lot of good, um, you know, examples. I tried. I, I asked the Lord what He wanted me to say. I believe that He gave me these verses with the application. We're going to look at what these verses actually mean. I think before we make application in the Scriptures, we should find out, what is this really saying here? I was just talking with somebody before you guys come up, and if you remember, I've taught before, exegesis is what we're supposed to do in the foundational Bible study. We're supposed to dig down and say, what does this mean? Where is this historically? What does this word mean maybe in the Greek and Hebrew? Get some good commentaries. You don't have to know the Greek and Hebrew, but we want to study and say, what is God, what is His one intended meaning here? But a lot of times we do eisegesis. That's where we read into the text, right? Okay? I don't want to confuse that with what I'm going to do today because I really prayed and I said, Lord, I don't want to break any integrity of Bible interpretation or preaching or you know, because I really feel like you want me to say this and there are verses supporting what I'm going to say. But I am reminded over and over again of what Dr. Cederholm and other men, we've even said it from the pulpit, God is not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God does not start and say, I want to confuse my children. God is such a good God that He wants to make it plain for us. That's what He desires to do. It is Satan that confuses. It is Satan that blinds, right? It is, and not just Satan. Many times we say Satan. You should because the Bible says that. But in hard reality, I'm not important enough probably to have Satan particularly just come to me. He has a lot of demons that work on us. Okay? Not to fear that. Never fear that. But the hard reality is we need to know that's what's going on. And they're the ones that are always blinding. But God wants us to do, if possible, as we grow in the Lord, to do our homework and find out what is the mind of God on this. There is one intended meaning, but there are many applications. That's what I want to do this morning. I kept being burdened about this verse, and I said, Lord, but when I study it, it seems like this is clearly talking about David. It's a type of Christ. But if I could go out on a limb, and nobody please saw it off as I go out on the limb, I believe the Spirit of God was impressing upon me. Here's an example of a devotional application I'm making to your life, Larry. Maybe somebody else needs that here. That's not wrong. One interpretation of the Scriptures. I am not breaking any integrity of the Lord's you know, style of, of how He wants us to preach because we have many applications from this. It's what I want to share this morning. I hope you get some main points from it. And uh, right after we pray, we're going to get right into it. So I'm not going to tell you where to turn because I'd like you to, with your heart, pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for ministry. Starting with me, Lord, we need to be reminded that ministry is meeting the needs of people. Being in church, Lord, of course, that most important ministry is spiritual. It is seeing people saved. It is seeing people grow, hopefully making decisions, because Lord, it is an act of the will. We have to choose to be a disciple. Lord, you said if any man will, let him come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, follow me. Lord, that's that's discipleship. Lord, I'm hoping that I'm speaking at least to some that desire to study the word, not just to increase head knowledge. Lord, I know about that. But that we might apply it so that we can do the work of the ministry. But as I said, Lord, primarily I know it's spiritual. But I think in the broader sense, it means being used of you, Lord, to meet any of the needs. Like maybe tomorrow, as Ken and uh, Tani are moving and they need some people to help them pack the van. Uh, it could be like uh, Jessica who is a great blessing to have here in this church and helping her with various things. The Lord has chosen her to have a specific handicap that many of us don't. And we need to learn to be sensitive to that, to understand, Lord, you knew I grew up in a family that if they never experienced or never had the issue, they found it impossible to have any understanding that maybe somebody's struggling with something that maybe we just, they never went through. Lord, help us not to be like that. Lord, help us to be sensitive. Lord, thank you also that we can encourage growth and we can encourage independence. Independence from others, and dependence upon you. It's a beautiful balance. But Lord, as we're going to see here in Psalm 16, you have a specific path for us to take. You don't hide behind some tree. You don't try to scare us. You don't try to hide your will. You don't try to make it... Uh, mysterious in the sense that, Lord, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do next. That's, that's really not from you. You intend to show us the path we're supposed to take. You're, you, Lord, you intend to show us, maybe if it is even just one step at a time, thy word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, Lord. That's what we need. So help us this morning. I can't do it, Lord. I can't. And I believe you've showed me these verses because... You needed to convict and cleanse me on these first before I even spoke it. And Lord, I believe you're even still cleansing me right now. I don't deserve to speak for you. No man does. We're all dirty vessels. But you have chosen the blood of Christ, which cleanses us from all sin, that positionally we stand perfect before you, wearing the white robes of righteousness. And it is in that boldness that we can say, I am the Lord's and I am his servant and we can do whatever he calls us to do. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us, strengthen us. So help us now, open hearts. I can't do it, Lord, but you can. If, there's, if they could just pull one thing from this, if there'd be one blessing, one challenge, one encouragement, let that happen this morning. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn with me to Psalm 16, the book of Psalms, and we're going to be looking at chapter 16. You do not have to read out loud. Please read along with me as I'm reading Psalm 16, and it's only 11 verses, so I'm going to read all 11. And then we'll probably focus on 8 through 11, and then 11, and then we're done. Psalm 16, verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. O my soul, Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to Thee. We're going to leave that sit for a while, but I believe what he's saying is is that we do not have goodness like God has goodness. There's a lot of men that differ on what that means there, but I'm uh, sufficed to realize the fact that God is truly the only one that's good. And my natural goodness is, does not extend to him, but there's other men that disagree. I'm going to just take that one for now. But to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight, their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in a pleasant, in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage or inheritance. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. Your mind and your heart. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. By the way, starting at verse 8, eight this is clearly David, but now we're getting into a type of Christ too. And I'll get into that in a second. I have set the Lord always before me because He has at my right hand I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither will thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Stop right there real quick. Does anyone remember in the New Testament Peter quoted this. He quoted this in the book of Acts. That's why this is a type. Okay? This is clearly talking about David. Okay? This, this was David's psalm. He was talking about it right here. But interestingly, now all of a sudden, this is, you can tell that this is a type of Christ because Peter quotes it in Acts, I believe, Acts 10 and talks about his Holy One not seeing corruption. Well, David was holy too by the blood of Christ. But see how this is connected here. And then here's our verse. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a blessing of God. What a challenge. What a thing that David did. What is the basic theme of this whole whole hymn? Confidence. Brothers and sisters, confidence is another word for faith. If I have confidence in you, and by the way, I had confidence in Brother Roy already, but now I really have confidence in him, okay? Why? Because he came through. BECAUSE HE KNEW WHAT HE WAS DOING, BECAUSE HE HELPED. Because he knew the exact tool to use, because he actually solved our problem. And it doesn't mean you don't love someone just because sometimes they can't. Some people really try hard, and it doesn't mean that they're the one that's called to help you. Sometimes God calls somebody else and he may have you wait. And you might ask five different people. There's nothing wrong with the five other people, but sometimes God wants us to wait because he has a chosen vessel that he wants to use for that. But my confidence is great in Roy, okay, because of his expertise in this. The psalmist, which is David, has great confidence, faith, full trust in his God. Why? Because what David is declaring here is that God will show. He says, thou wilt show me the path of life. What he is saying is, is that my God will show me. He will show me that way. He will show me that direction. He will open up what needs to be opened up. If I, need, if I have to walk through a river and it's too deep, we have examples in the Bible how God actually rescinded the waters out of the way. We know about the Red Sea. We know about crossing the Jordan. In your life, he'll do the same thing. We just heard about Liliana. Liliana was facing what she called mountains in her life. And I'm sure my wife put that in her head or Jessica put that in her head. And that's a good thing because all of us have certain things that appear to be so big, there is no way I could ever climb it. There is no way I could ever get around it or through it. It is impossible. And yet Liliana, who's only been saved a few weeks, she has already gone through some heavy trials and God has already one by one removing those mountains from her life. She had a couple teeth. She had a couple teeth extracted. That hurts. I know. They were painting her. Nobody would take her. She had to figure out who would take her insurance. All these, all these things that seemed impossible. So we found somebody that could f- help her, and they were telling her that she'd have to wait till January. Have you ever had a severe toothache and had to wait till January? From November, Jessica' shaking her head. "I'm sorry, Jessica, you had to do that. that. That must have been unbelievable." God took care of it within a day or two. "Thou wilt show me the path of life." Watch this. What is the interpretation here? Because I want to be careful. I am going to jump and start making out. I've already made applications from it, okay? but I'm not doing you a service if I don't teach you, tell you what is going on here. This, I believe, is David talking about when he passes to his next life. Okay? He says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy and at the right hand. I believe that it's talking about the glories of heaven. I believe that David is saying, You know what? You're not going to suffer us. in a says, Well, Christ didn't suffer corruption because he went down those three days. Our bodies actually physically will but I still believe that's David talking because his soul and spirit, he believes, is going to go straight to be with the Lord when he passes. And I believe in here in the true context of Psalm 16, this is David talking about, you know what? One of the things I fear is, like most people, what happens when I die? Where do I go? What does it feel like? Does it feel like anything? Is there darkness? I read books where people always talked about, I saw this great light. I mean, all these, you could give all these different answers. It is normal to be afraid, but you know why? Because we've never experienced it yet. By the way, that's one of the reasons Jesus came down and experienced that for us, and then three days later was risen again, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. He has actual experience to encourage his children. Death actually doesn't hurt. I know toothaches do. I know our bodies sometimes ache. I know there's pain sometimes involved with things that happen to our bodies. But the actual experience, and this is what David is saying. Excuse me. Yeah, David, excuse me. He's saying that I know that God will show me. He will show, I know when something happens and I'm dead, I don't have to worry because I'm going to have angels, I'm going to have Christ, they're going to escort me in my intermediate body before I get my new body again someday, and I'm going to know and be at peace. And I am thankful for some people that have given testimony that they have gone on, and they have a wonderful peace, Christians, and God has allowed them to come back. You know, you've heard some of those stories. They've even made some movies about it. You know, 90 Minutes in Heaven. There's just various things. I believe those men and women that have experienced that. God has given us just a little bit of taste of the glory and that we don't have to fear. I know that he's talking about thou will show me the path of life. I know that in its exegesis it's talking about David when he dies and goes to glory. But I do not think it's wrong to make application. This verse has so many times encouraged me that if God says, or David says with such confidence, I know that my God will show me the path, guess what? I don't believe it's wrong to apply that. We're living right now. If God is faithful to take a Christian, a saint that passes, and he is faithful to show him I will take you to me. I will take you to myself. I will take you to heaven. Here is the path. You don't have to worry. You'll either be attended by angels or Jesus many times they'll come by and meet Christ himself and usher them in. Then I have no problem telling you that what God is saying to Larry and what God is saying to all of you is my God will also show you your path. God will show you the path that you're supposed to take. What is a path? That will show me the path of life. A path is a direction that you and I can move forward. One of the things I want to encourage you with this morning is you and I are still sinners. Technically, theoretically, when you look at the Scriptures, we don't have to sin anymore. Have you ever been challenged with that? We actually don't have to sin. We have been saved from what? The power of sin and the penalty, <laughs> not the presence, which is why we still choose it, right? But we have been saved from those other two, the power of the penalty. We don't have to, but here's the reality. I am a sinner. I am with a bunch of sinners, and don't take that in the wrong way. I love all of you, okay? But you understand what I'm saying? We, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and even though we're saved, I do not think there's any man that got saved and never sinned unless he got saved and then right, went right to be with the Lord. I guess that's theoretically possible. But most people I live with do not have that privilege like that, okay? He keeps us down here and we live and we grow and we love and we're loved or sometimes we don't love like we should and, we, you know, and relationships break apart and there's so many things we need to fix and God is there to pick up those pieces and put it together. But a path is a direction forward. So if you have failed the Lord, if you have come short of what God was asking of you, guess what? My God My God shall make a path. He shall make a way in the wilderness. You know, what I like is the truth that if we confess the sin, God's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a wonderful truth. That tells me this. Every sin and blasphemy that you have committed against God or I have, immediately forgiven. But here's the reality. When we've played with sin and we've been in sin for a while... See, God will forgive. The problem is we've taken on some excess baggage. If you can understand what I'm saying, you are forgiven positionally immediately, but does that mean everything is going to be restored immediately? No, a lot of times when we make decisions, we, in other words, when we don't follow the path that God has for us, okay, and we follow a different path we introduce a lot of weeds, in a sense, that grow up, okay? We're, we want to plant good plants. We want to put seed in the ground. And we want to have, as the Word of God is planted in our hearts, we want true righteousness to grow in our life and victory and joy and all these things. But what happens is many times we, we don't do that. We, we, we go our own way. We make our own path. And then we wonder, man, Lord, why isn't this working? And why is there, where's my joy? And how come there's such a struggle? And it seems like, Lord, I asked your forgiveness. I told you I was wrong. And God does immediately forgive. And you can have your your conscience cleansed by the blood of Christ. That's even immediate, too. But sometimes there's stuff we have to work through now because we brought some things upon ourselves. Here's the point God will show me the path. I don't care how far you've gotten off the beaten path. I do, and you understand what I mean by that. But to make my point, it doesn't matter. If you're a Christian and you've gotten way off the path, I guarantee thou wilt show me the path of life. God will show you how to get back. God will show you how to get right. God will show you he yes, he'll cleanse immediately, but he will practically, on a very practical level, God will also show you this is the way. Isaiah 30:21 Have you ever seen that verse? Again, what's the context? God was going to be chastening Israel. But he encouraged them. And he said, when that chasing is done, when it's done, when I'm through working with you because you guys have totally fell into unbelief, you've disobeyed me, you've gone your own way, I was very clear of what my requirements were, and you decided that you knew better. But God always encourages. Even when he's judging, he has hope and encouragement built in. You know what he said? He said, "You will your ears, you will hear a voice that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. So here's another example of a path. Now what is he saying there? Is he saying that Israel one day is going to hear the audible voice? Well, all of us will hear God one day. But this context, what it's saying is, He's going to make their hearts so sensitive to the Word of God and they're going to have such Bible-soaked minds and they're going to know the Lord so well that it is as if God himself was speaking behind them and saying, this is the way, this is the path. Because they're sensitive. We don't hear that always because we're not sensitive to God. Sin has a... We could talk for hours of the horribleness of sin... But I think one of the most horrible things about sin, the worst things about sin, is that it dulls our hearing. It dulls our sensitivity to God. So, you know, here's another example of what's the real meaning? It's talking about Israel. It's okay, it's talking about after they're chasing, God's going to make them sensitive to His Word, and then that's like it's like a voice saying, in the, "Okay, in the background." I, I've never heard God audibly, but I know this: when I'm in my devotions and I'm in the Word and I'm doing what God is asking me to do, I have fellowship with Him and I sense the Lord in my heart. So do you. But let's be honest: we don't always sense it, and a lot of times it's our fault. A direction to move forward. By the way, (laughs) that path, it has boundaries. My kids two years ago went to the empowered youth activity, and I believe it was uh, stay within the lines. Okay? They were telling the teens to stay within the lines. That's not bad. By the way, where have you ever heard that phrase? Do you remember that as a kid? Right? Crayons. Stay within the lines. Right? You have your little Crayol crayon and your... I loved working with those. That's for fun. And you know what? I was one of those kids, sadly, that uh, if I got the big box of 64, I didn't want other kids using them. Do you know why? Because they wouldn't take care of them like I did. I had the points. I love the points on there because you could be really accurate to stay in the lines, right? You remember what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, here comes some other kid and he'll be like, yeah, can I borrow your crayons? Uh, yeah... Of course, what does the crayon look like when I got it back? All smish, broken in half and flat. What are you doing? I, those are my crayons. God has boundaries. Stay within the lines. Stay within the boundaries do you know what Ecclesiastes eleven nine? 9, and I've quoted this before, but basic, basically it says, in fact, I'll tell you what, I want you to turn there with me. This is what I normally preach to teens, this little section here. But can you just turn with me very quickly? I'm going to go to Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. And I would like you to turn there if you have your Bibles, okay? Let's just look at that real quickly. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9. And I want to read the whole verse. I usually just quote a part of it, but I want to actually... Look at the whole thing. Ecclesiastes eleven eleven verse nine says this: "Rejoice, O young man! Now, okay, man, mankind. Okay, can we get that settled? I'm sorry, I don't have a gender specific. You know, you know, I'm not a woke. I do not have a woke Bible up here. I have a King James, which I love. Okay, I don't have a woke Bible. All right." Can we accept that when it says rejoice, O young man? I do not want the girls to be offended or the ladies. Okay? This is mankind. This is every boy and girl. This is every man and woman. Okay? Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. By the way, how how old were the Hebrews? Do you remember? That's been taught. Do you remember how old were you considered to be a young man in the Hebrew Well, how old could you be and they still considered you a young man? I know where you're going with that. That's that's when a child becomes a man. I'm asking you, how old can you be and still be considered a young man? From the Hebrew mind, did you know how old this was? Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. That's according to my studies. If you were thirty-nine or younger, they still considered you a young man. I'm not that. Some of you are not that anymore doesn't matter there's still a principle here but God knows in your younger years when your body is working for the most part not for all of us but for most of us working like it should we are at our peak our human growth hormone is off the charts our male and female hormones are just going and we're you know we're thinking of oh will I get married someday and everything's just going you know ballistic so that's why he says young here but really there's a principle for everyone here Let thy heart cheer thee in thy youth, and walk in thy ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. I've told you before, when I read that verse, it scared me, because I was confused. Well, that's because I didn't study it enough. Now I know better, but when I first looked at that verse, I thought, wait a second, you're telling me to rejoice in my youth. Man, I want to have a good time when I'm young, okay? I want to do all these things. But now all of a sudden, go ahead and do them, But remember, God's going to bring thee into judgment. Wait a minute, that's confusion to me. No, the only one confused is me, not God. Because what he's saying here is stay within the lines. Here's the path that I have for you. Here's the way I want you to go. And by the way, if God has given you health and youth and, and all these things, or maybe you feel like a young guy and you're much older, that's great too. That's a blessing to enjoy that when you're older. If God has given you that, all God is saying here is, I want you to do your heart's desire. I want you to rejoice. Lord, thank you for giving me this health. I can play, I can work, I can have fun with, I can do all these things, I can do everything. Good. But he's saying, if we step out of the line, if, if we get out of God's path, and we do our own path, if we listen to the lies of the devil, or we listen to other wicked people, remember, now... You're not hearing the voice, this is the way walk walked you in it. You've gone your own path. And when you go your own path, you're not going to hear that. You're not going to be sensitive to God. And as you continue down that path, you don't hear him anymore. And he's saying, be careful because I love you. I'll have to bring judgment. Now, for the Christian, we understand that chastisement. The Bible, interestingly, says there is not one Christian that is without chastisement. I've told you many times, boy, do I know the rod of God. <laughs> I do, but I also told you it gave me a great security because it showed me how much God loved me. He loves me so much he wants me to walk in his path. But Larry, who sometimes thinks he's better than that and knows better than God, wants to walk his own path. And that's where God brings the chastening and says, okay, Larry, okay, I love you so much. I have a plan for you. I have, I have a path for you. I have a purpose for you. And if you walk that path, it's kind of like this. You know, we can do it the easy way or we can do it the hard way. Do you you understand what I'm saying? I'm just being honest with you. I'm glad there's other preachers that probably don't struggle as much as I do. I know they're sinners, but they probably don't uh, go through some of the things or chastement that I go through. But it always gives me security. Always. God loves me enough to not let me go. He loves me enough to say, you did wrong, you're going on a wrong path, but I love you so much I have a purpose. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, to give you an expectation, to give you a purpose in life. That's why I have this path marked for you. When we used to go up north, it was on Indian Lake. It was in Upper Peninsula, Michigan. And along the lake, there was... What appeared to be a clear marked trail looked like it had been beaten down for years. I had a guy tell me, he said, You know, I, I'm pretty convinced that's an Indian path. In other words, that's a path that the Indians used to take. And let's face it, there were Indians all over North America. Very interesting. But I, I saw what he saw. I saw that path. How about Waukesha? Man, have you ever driven through there in the one way streets and trying to get through that city? It is a web. Take a look at it on the map sometime. It's a web. I don't really care for it. And when, it, when I get my work takes me through there, I'm like, oh, boy, you know, i got to drive through there, you know. But you know what that was? Those were wagon trails. I understand those, the trails that the roads follow, those were wagon trails. That was the path that the wagons were to follow. And I'm trusting that somebody that had wisdom said that's best for that city because I don't see it now, but they said that was best. Howell Avenue, right past where I grew up and comes all the way this way, Those are wagon trails. Those are the main trails going up to Racine, down to Kenosha, Chicago. The North Shore train, that's that's down now. Now it's a bike path, but that used to be train tracks. The North Shore, that's a path. All these things are paths. And they're good. A train runs best when it runs on the two rails. You've all seen an accident, right? Horrible. I heard when I was younger... And it scared me because I'm like, oh, Lord. You know, I I didn't say Lord back then. Let me be totally honest with you. I wasn't saved yet. But I said, I felt that way, like, what's going to happen to that kid? There was a kid one time that actually put bricks on the tracks so that the train would derail. It did. Even as young as I was, I thought, that scared me because back then, you know, you're scared of every police officer, every authority figure. You know, you're young. You should be, right? Right. I thought, what is going to happen to that kid? Now, I don't know what finally happened, okay, but I just heard they caught him, okay? That was amazing. The train derailed. That could kill people. That could wreck a number of things. The train works best when you stay on the rails. One of the things I tell young Christians is when you start your Christian life, and it's really something you're going to practice your whole life, this is another path, you need to think of the four legs of a chair. Remember, I think I have probably mentioned this before, but like Dawson and people were, in, you know, those that want to be disciples were, they're hungry for the word. There are four things that we need, I think, to do every day to make sure that we are on the path and hearing God's voice. It's real simple. You need to read your Bible. You need to study. If you're a studier, you need, to, you need to have your devotions. That's number one. That's the one leg of the chair, okay? Then you need to pray. That's the second leg of the chair. We need to talk to God. How was God talking to you? Through the Word, brother Steve. We just mentioned this at uh, two Sunday schools ago. We said that God's God puts so much stock in His Word because it represents His character. He elevates it. Where? How high does He elevate His Word above His name? Even He, sa- he says, "Thy Word, okay. Thy Word is so good, so important, so true. It is. It. It, it, it absolutely represents God and His character." that He elevates it even above His, I mean, it's that important. So we are reading the Word and we're being fed, and then number two, we're praying. But here's the other thing. We need to be in a good church. We need to be in a good local church. That's where we get warm. That's where we encourage one another. That's where we challenge one another. That's where we learn to love and be loved. And if we've made a mistake, we forgive. There are some times that God moves people on. Sometimes. Because of have them serve somewhere else or maybe um, sadly sometimes because of church splits some things have gotten so bad that you just can't remain i understand that but most of the time if god leads you to a church family we don't leave just because of a small offense maybe it's even a big offense let me ask you this have you ever offended anybody i know i have I told you my previous church I was at for 25 years, you don't think that I burned sometimes on the inside? You don't think I was upset? You don't think I had an issue with the pastor? You don't think I had an issue with people? Yes, but every time by God's grace, because God called me there for a certain duration of time, that was my path. In my life, that was Larry's path at the moment, 25 years at Greendale Baptist, okay? And while I was there, I had issues with people besides my own issues, and people had issues with me. But every time I prayed, I sensed from God the grace to stay because he still wanted me to be part of that family. We don't leave because of the color of the carpet. We don't leave, okay, because we don't like the glass. Or pastor didn't say thank you to me when I worked so hard, and I'm not going to even say the places, I want anyone think of any ideas. I'm not going to do, okay? But I'll tell you what, there was a time and I believe it was time to go because I could not contain, I did not sense the grace, the spirit of God. I kept begging God, hey, let me try to work this out. I kept trying to fix the problem. Do you do that sometimes? We try, we try to help God. We think we're going to help God and fix something. Yeah. But you know what? We, we can. Many times we have to, st- the Bible says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes you just need to say, God, this is out of my hands. I can't do it. Do it, please, Lord. I can't. And that's when God moved us on. We are family. We'll never grow if we don't like something, and then we leave. Uh, Folks, I'm just going to tell you, you'll never grow as a Christian. Never. God places the solitary into families, for sure. He desires all of us. So reading your Bible, praying, church membership, okay, or being in, in a good church, but here's the other one, and, and this one's going to sting, but folks, we got to tell others. One of the reasons I, didn't, I told you I didn't want to surrender to Bible college is I knew God was going to put me in front of people and I'd have to talk. I'm a real big talker if I'm comfortable. If I know you, and we've been friends for a while, and I'm in, you know, I'm in a comfortable surrounding, and I've known the people, and I know, like, in my, like when I used to work, I got comfortable in my cubicle, that's different. But you talk about meeting new people, I was afraid he can't. I'm like, no way. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It's unknown. I, 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 didn't, I really fought God. In fact, I think I fought him a whole semester before I surrendered. I did not want to go because I knew what God was going to ask me to do. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I still don't sometimes, really, to be honest with you. <laughs> but God uses some peculiar people. He really does. He uses weak people. He uses peculiar people. He uses people that the world would say, <laughs> Who, look at that guy. Who, what do you mean? He couldn't do anything for God. I'm sure people said that about me. I'm sure. And maybe they've said it about you. Don't listen to him. Follow the path that God has for you, and it'll be amazing what God can do with you. Amazing. So if God says, and let's go back now to, after we read that, let's go back to Psalm 16. And I want to look at a verse there a little bit. Psalm 16 couple of things. So we, we've done the exegesis. This is about David, but it's actually a type because it's referring to Christ. Christ was the one that didn't see the corruption. Isn't that amazing? Everybody else... Now, I know we have embalming fluids, and we have all these things we do to try to make the person look the best, and there's nothing wrong with that. But eventually, that body's still going to decay. Jesus' body was not allowed to show any, there was no decay, there was nothing going on. It was pure, it was protected. That's our Lord. I know that's what it's talking about, but look at this, when he says, thou wilt show me the path of life, what did we say? That means he'll show me the path of life too. While I'm living, that is not reserved for just people, oh, you know, you're going to be on your own while you're on this earth, I'm going to let you fend for yourself, but guess what, here's your hope, when you die, now I'll show you where to go. I am thankful that God shows us now where to go. The path, stay within the lines. Remember, rejoice in your youth, enjoy your life. God gives us richly all things to enjoy, but remember, stay, and what are those lines? It's God's word, it's God's law, it's the principle of the word of God. God has given us, uh, I know one preacher, in fact, that was, I think it was over in Tri County. I remember Pastor Jones talking about God's will being like in this rectangle. Can you picture like a shoebox? It's like a rectangular box. You have freedom in that box. We have really more freedom than you think. The problem is, is when we want to step out of the box. Okay? That takes glory from God, that hurts you and everyone around you when I step out of the box and I am not what God wants me to be, I'm not on His path, I'm on my own path. Sometimes the war path. Remember the Indians? Sometimes I'm on the war path with God. Again, I'm glad that every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. Every, you know, anger, all that bitterness, all the things will be forgiven. But sometimes when I'm doing that, I am hurting people around me. Folks, don't ever believe the lie of the devil that if you sin and you feel that momentary pleasure, you're only hurting yourself. Let me tell you something. If you're a husband, you are hurting your wife and children. If you're a wife and you think, well, I'm just going to get off the path a little bit here, let me tell you something. You are, ta- you are stealing from your husband and your kids because God won't bless that. I, I'm ashamed that I, I wanted to be a better dad, and I'm still working on that, but there's so many things I think that God would have said, you know, how, how Katie and I interact, or all these various things. If you stay in the Spirit and you walk my path, you'll do even better, you know, but many times we don't, and the people around us suffer. The positive side is God will show you the path of life. What's the negative side? Turn with me to Proverbs fourteen twelve. Why don't you turn your Bibles, please. Proverbs 14, 12, and let's read that together. So if that's God saying that I am making a path for you, this is the way walk ye in it. According to God's will is always found in God's Word, right? So let's walk according to God's Word. I have a path plotted for you. I actually know what's going to happen to you when you die. I actually know the whole direction you're taking. I know where you're going. I'm designing that. I'm moving you along forward on that path. But what happens is that you realize if God has a path, that means somebody else has a path for me too. When I look back, and I'm not going to get into details because I've said it numerous times, but when I was, before I got saved, I saw the major two paths Satan, his demons, were taking me on one path that would have been all about Larry and all about his glory. And how I felt felt about myself, which is really no security at all. It's a very insecure thing. You know, if I'm great in something, then God, people will look at me. Then I can finally feel good about myself because I'm getting the glory and I'm doing these things and people are looking at me. See, I, I saw that path. And then I saw the path after I got saved. And that path was, give all the glory to God. It's a different path. And when I have done that, and am doing that, there's something called joy. I would have been happy. Okay, I told you, and we're going to touch on a couple things here, but um, let's just read our verse and we'll just get to them right away. So Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's so clear. That's so clear. Follow my path. God is saying to each one of us, follow the path that I have for you. But our, we have pride. And the worst thing about pride is it blinds us to our condition. We don't see our actual need. And we say, you know what, God? I think I know in this area just a little bit better than you. Now, we may not say those words, but I can tell you by your actions you say it. Right? I'm not saying you say that out loud. But by the actions and behavior we take many times, we are basically saying, God, I know a little bit more, or I actually hear, God, what you're saying. If I do this, this might happen, but I'm going to take a chance because I want to be happy, and I'm not happy right now, and there's a number of reasons for that, this whole other stuff, but I'm not happy right now, God, so if I do this and give in to this, I, I'm going to be happy, even if it's just for a little moment, and you take the chance, and we presume upon God. And God is so good. God is so good. He knew you were going to do that. He already prepared for it. And His love doesn't stop for you when you do that. But we do that, and then we have to suffer some consequences because we went off the path. There is, it is clear, it's delineated. There's two different ways. There's a way which seemeth right. When we lean upon our own understanding, we think that's the right way. And I will touch on this just a little bit because I want to quote a couple of guys. It says, thou wilt show me the path of life. Okay, now we know what the path is, but where are we going? Path of what? The path of life. What is Life. A lot of people have different views on life. When I was younger, I told you, and I'd actually said these words, I was sitting in a Sunday school class of an American Baptist church, and they said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you know what I said? You Remember, I've said this before, I want to be a rock star. <laughs> you know, there's a song, actually, a couple of, some years ago, actually, there's a song out with that title. So I said, yeah, I'm going to look that up. Okay. And uh, uh, the group is Nickelback. And, um, Interestingly, interestingly, it says I want to be a rock star. And I thought, okay, those are the words I used, used to use. Obviously, God would never allow that. I don't, I don't want that in my life now. But I said those exact words. Song was written exactly like that. So I, I, I Googled the lyrics, and I said, wow, amazing. One of the things that really caught my eye was a verse in that song. It says, everybody's got a drug dealer on speed dial. Hey, hey, I want to be a rock star. Now, that's real genius, right? Hey, hey. I mean, if you ever look at these guys or what they're doing, you know, they got the three or four basic chords. I mean, I don't know many more than that, but, but I mean, you know, the rock guys, a lot, of, a lot of times just turn up the volume, and it's loud, and it's super deep rhythm to try to appeal to our basis nature, okay? That, that's their goal, and, and he says, I, so what I want to ask, you, you say, so I've got this drug deal. And you remember what speed dial is? I mean, I'm from the old days when we had the ring, ring, ring You know, I had an old dial, right? It would take you like 10 minutes to dial one number, right? Then finally, they got touch tone. Beep, 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 beep. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing. Now I can press the buttons. I love it. Well, the really neat thing was is then when you got the uh, cordless, and then it came with more electronics like built into the base, now you have speed dial. All I have to do is press number one. It'll go right to where I want it to go. It'll call the person. My question is simply this for that group or any of these other groups. If you're such a success and your life is so fulfilling and you're so great, why do you need the drugs? I, I mean, my wife and I just, we look at people, and by the way, we as Christians do this in for the most part, much more minor ways. We we. we We lose our joy, and we look for it in a different area. So we're not really a lot different, except in the extreme of this. If that is so great, then how come they are looking somewhere else? If life was so grand, you know, Hollywood, give my regards to Broadway, da-da-da-da, right, right? And we've talked about that. What does that mean? That means you welcome it in. If if they say, give my regards, you know, to Miss Kathy... That's a positive thing. that means, hey, tell her I, I miss her, I want to see her again sometime, miss her she hasn't been to church. Give my regards, that means I'm, giving my, I'm welcoming you in basically to my home, to my heart. that's what that's a good thing. But when they say, "Give my regards to Broadway, and, and it's basically Hollywood and Hollywood and all these various things, they're glorifying that lifestyle. But what, what happens, and what, it, what does that do? if it 's so great, why? Do we have to have all the extra sin? Why do we have to have the drug dealers? Why do we have to have the illicit sex? Why, 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 why does all that have to come? I know that's because of our base nature. I know that. But if they're on a path, okay? And remember, there's more than one path. There's God's path and then there's Satan's path, which is basically our own path. If they're on that path and it's so good, how come they're still doing that? You guys remember old blue eyes? Who am I talking about when I say old blue eyes? Yeah. Your dad. Oh, (laughs) no, I would rather remember old Blue Eyes as your dad. That's right. But Frank Sinatra, who my mom loved, and by the way, if you care for some of his songs or you like some of the tone of his I'm not getting into that. This is not a judgment on his music per se, but I want to make a point. Do you know when Frank Sinatra died, what was buried with him? I might have mentioned this before, but I dug a little deeper and found a couple other things that were in his casket. If you and I passed and we wanted something in our casket, I guarantee it would be something from a loved one, right? Or it would be a Bible. When our our son Benjamin passed uh, two years ago, we put a Bible in there and put, I think my wife put a couple other things that were very important to us. To me, that may not have been his last will and testament, but to me, that tells me And what other people, by the way, even if old blue eyes Frank Sinatra, he didn't say look in my will I want these things in there. I'm not sure he did that. But his daughter was involved in that. And I want you to see what they thought was important to him and that's what they buried in his coffin, a bottle of Jack Daniel's whiskey. Hey, This is not Larry Schmidt judging. If I didn't have the Lord, I probably would have died of probably some overdose, I'll be honest with you, because I love to party, and I I like feeling good, and I wanted to just do whatever I wanted to do, and it's only the grace of God that I made it to 58. So I'm not judging from that perspective. But I want you to see, to me this speaks volumes. This is what was placed in this man's casket. Bottle of Jack Daniels, camel cigarettes, uh, again, if you struggle, I'm not here to judge you on your, on your struggling with the cigarette. Dude, do not misunderstand me. That's another, that's another message. But what I'm saying is, to me, this guy was the primo singer. I mean, this guy was around for decades. He was, wasn't he the leader of the Brat Pack? You had like Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. And I always forget Joey something in the name of the other guy. These, these guys were like so plugged in and so important in TV and Hollywood and all these things. What a what a success. Right? Here's something else he had buried in there. A zippo lighter. Hey, when you're in the afterlife, you gotta have some way of lighting those cigarettes. Right? The problem is he may not need the lighter. I hope I'm wrong. And I mean that in all sincerity. I will submit to you that. <laughs> I am hoping, and I mean this pleasantly desiring that when I get to heaven, the people that lived of like Elvis and you know <laughs> all these different things, I'm hoping that I'm going to get up there and I'm going to go, "Wow, look what God did, maybe the last seconds of your life, right before you were taken from this life. Look what God did in your life, and God saved you, because none of us deserve it. But I hope when I get up there, I'm going to be pleasantly surprised and say, "Praise God. Look what God's grace can do. It can do that for anybody. This one I'm not so bothered by. He had ten dimes. The only negative about that was, is his daughter said, he always took the dime. Back in our day, my day, I mean, he's older than me, of course. He's the dimes for the phone call, twenty cents, two dimes. That's what you have to put in the. Remember the, you don't see them anymore, but remember you had the payphones all around. They were connected in the streets, and you had the phone booth. Now back then, maybe a bit of nickel or dime, but I. I remember the two dimes. That's what she said. He always had the dimes with him so he could call home. Now, now time up It's positive, but quite frankly, it also speaks of him never being home. Those four things were put in his casket. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the way of death. When I was playing music with the band, um, it was a basically a garage band, and I was very young. Man, I was 12, 13. I wasn't that old, but boy, I was on a path. God was watching me. He says, I'm going to save that kid, but <laughs> I was on a path. The people, the violent femmes, that, they weren't violent femmes then. We were just a garage band called the White Ravens or something like that. But they were on a path, and by the way, they're still on that path today. It's only the grace of God I'm not on that path. We were on the same path. And as we played and as we did our songs and all these various things, let me tell you something. There was a song by Led Zeppelin that everybody loved. And what's interesting is this song, I think, it was last time I checked a couple years ago, but every year this song is like the rock anthem. It is the most popular song ever for rock. And it is Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. Isn't that interesting? It's called Stairway to Heaven. It says things like in the song, the Piper will lead us to reason. I'm not sure what Piper he's talking about. Okay? And interestingly, in the song, it says this, there are two paths you can go by, two paths, and there's still time to change the road you're on. Right? Well, I know that song. I mean, the the guys that I played music with, they loved that song. They would play that song. And, I sort of, eh, it was okay. And then, of course, you get into backmasking, and they play that song backwards, and you actually hear some messages on there about my sweet Satan and all, the, all these different things. And then people laugh at you. Why are you playing your records backward? you goofy, you know. I think Satan was trying to, another way that he was trying to get us involved in that music into the mystery, okay. Oh, that's exciting. What's, what secret messages are behind that? See, anything to make us listen to that music, that was the path. What I see are extremely empty lives, and that's why they had to fill it with so many other things. I've kept you really long, so I'm going to go really fast. I'm to, let's go back to Psalm 16 and finish up, okay? Psalm 16 You know, there has to be more purpose in life than just the path of pleasure, and that's what many have taken. Many have taken that path. They said, you know what? What I see when I look at the Scriptures, I see narrowness. I see somebody saying, I can't do what I want to do. That path does not look right to me. I see pain, and I see suffering. Oh, listen, folks. The end of that path is glory. The end of the path of God that He has for you is God being glorified, but also your glory. Could you imagine being faithful to God and then passing and my God shall show you the path and Jesus comes or his, his uh, uh, angels and they're, sh- and they're ushering you into God's presence? Could you imagine God saying, well done and thou good and faithful servant? Could you imagine that? That's a wonderful thing. Our flesh never likes pain. I get that. But if it helps TO REMIND YOU HOW MUCH PAIN JESUS WENT THROUGH FOR YOU, HE DID. HE SUFFERED THE WORST DEATH A MAN COULD EVER SUFFER FOR YOU. IT'S WORTH IT, FOLKS. IT'S WORTH IT. AND BY THE WAY, JUST BECAUSE WE GO THROUGH SOME TRIALS OR HAVE SOME TEMPTATIONS, I HAVE HAD MANY GOOD DAYS AND I AM TRUSTING GOD FOR EVEN MORE GOOD DAYS in spite of what's around us. See, let's finish our verse here. He says, thou wilt show me the path of life. That's through the word of God. God's going to do that. But how about this? In thy presence is fullness of joy. I believe, again, what David was specifically saying there was, when I die, I'm going to go right to be with God. And I'm going to be in God's presence. And by the way, that's the best part of heaven, is being in God's presence. It's going to be joy unspeakable. What takes that away? So let's apply that down here. Does that mean I have to wait to heaven to be in God's presence? Well, it's certainly going to be greater and much, you know, a serious thing you know, out there because I'll actually literally be. But you know what? Through His Spirit, I can be in His presence right now. Right now. Why aren't you? We can be in His presence right now. Joy is fulfilling God's will, His specific design for you where you fit in in his purposes. Joy is a soul-spirit pleasure we experience when we are dependent on who Jesus is and not on who we are or what is happening around us. See, that's the great thing about joy. You can have it right now, and it has nothing to do if you're a first class, second class. Remember the Titanic? They had like three different classes of people. First class, second class, third class, it doesn't matter what class. And let me say this, joy is not dependent either on your happiness. Boy, I didn't get what I wanted. I'm not really happy today. There's something, you know, they're not, not giving it to me like I want it. You know what I'm saying? Our joy is not dependent on that. It is dependent on who Jesus is and our view of Him, not on our circumstances. So you need to ask yourself, was there a time that I had joy in my life and I don't have it now? Who's fault? Who moved? Whose fault? What's going on? Why don't I have it? Now I brought up to you some unbelievers. Now let's bring that up to the Christian because I've experienced this myself. There are many times in my life I've had extreme joy. I don't. It's funny. I don't always show it. My wife would say, "Like, are you showing? Are you joy?" And you know, sometimes at home I, you know, I have a serious face or various things. And I just think there are different personalities. We do need to express it more. But I've had great joy in my heart. Sometimes I express that. um, But there are times when that joy is gone. Here's what we're tempted to do. Instead of going on the path that God has for us, thou wilt show me the path of life. And basically what is life? It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's real living. That's real life. Walking in the Spirit. I don't go back to that. I'm like, you know what? I'll go back to some of my things or some of the old ways or I know those things kind of made me happy and I wonder why I get even more empty. Now, I'm really not much different than the guy with the drug deals, you know, G dealer on his speed dial. I'm not different than these other guys because even though I'm saved and going to heaven, I am thinking like these guys are thinking. I'm thinking in unbelief. I'm thinking, hey, I I, I need this back. I'm missing what I felt in my spirit. But instead of saying, you know what, Lord, I need to return to your path. I need to go back to doing things your way. I'm tempted to go back to my old ways. And that keeps me from the joy that I could have. The presence of God is where the joy is at. And he says, and here we close, At the right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We are beings that desire pleasure. Now, again, there's going to be no pleasure. We can't even compare to the pleasures we will experience in heaven. Our minds cannot conceive of the beauty, the peace. It is going to be at another level we've never experienced. But let's make it practical again. We're not there yet, so down here, is there something for me there? Yes, there is. When we go to God... He has pleasures for us. But where did you see where they're at? They're not a mile away. They're not on the Internet necessarily. I'm not saying it's wrong to look at the Internet. That's not what I mean. But you get what I'm saying? It doesn't mean it's over in that location. i got to travel 20 miles. He says there are pleasures at that right hand forevermore. I don't believe that, folks, that we have to die to experience that. I believe we can experience the pleasures that God wants us to experience now because we are seeking Him and being at His right hand. thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Let's have a word of prayer, and then would you mind just playing our song? When we're done praying, if you feel so led, if God's dealt with you about anything, please come forward. Please come kneel at the altar or take care of it right where you're at. But if God has challenged you with anything that I was burdened to say, and I'm sorry I didn't say it as well as others could have said it, but I hope the Spirit of God was working and you were listening. Do as the Lord leads, however that is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for the wonderful Christians here. I'm thankful that there are those that really want to serve you. I'm thankful for those that are struggling. I believe you'll give them the victory if they'll just come to you. Lord, help us all to be on the path that you desire for us. I believe you have a purpose. It is marked out of what we should do, where we should go. We have an end. Lord, you have an end in sight for our life. It's not going to be like somebody else's. It's one lane. We have to stay within the lines of our own lane, Lord. Help us to do that. Help us to not look at others and compare our lives. Help us to be content and say, Lord, you promised that godliness with contentment would be great gain. Help us, Lord, to have that godly gain in our life, that joy, those wonderful pleasures you have at your right hand. Show us that path. Help us now, and I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name.